Hi everyone, this is Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. Featuring your hosts, Taylor Bradley and Alex Yankovich. What's up guys and welcome back to another amazing episode of Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. We are thrilled to be back with you for another amazing episode. This week we are joined by a very dear friend of mine. His name is Kevin Milray. He has done just about everything that any dancer would want to do as far as concert, commercial, film and television, a little movie called the Lizzie McGuire movie. I mean, come on, that's, that's, that's huge. Um, We're so excited to dive into his experiences touring with uh, bad boys of dance, working for Cirque du Soleil, doing handfuls of Broadway tours. Honestly, you guys just need to stick around because uh, I feel like we touch on just about every single aspect of the dance industry. But before we get to that incredible interview, uh, make sure that you're staying up to date with us on social media. Feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at Inside Dance Podcast. From there, if you have any questions, if you want to slide into our DMs, any recommendations, any thoughts for the day, please feel free to let us know. We're very nice. Uh, while you're there, go ahead and be sure to follow our friends at Inside Dance Magazine. You can find them at their handle, Inside Dance Mag. So maybe Instagram's not your thing. Maybe, I don't know, you're a little more traditional. You want to hit us up in an email? We would love that. Mm-hmm. Write to us at Inside Dance Podcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Let's talk community spotlight. This week, we are featuring the incredible organization Dancers Against Cancer. They are an official 501c3 that provides financial assistance to dance educators, dancers, and family members impacted by cancer. To date, DAC has proudly raised over $2 million in donations that directly benefit those in need. Their mission is to create an alliance in the dance community that provides financial support and inspiration to all those in the community, plus their families who have been impacted by cancer. The Dancers Against Cancer has a board that is led by Noah Lands and is filled with dance icons that we all know and love, such as Regold, Liz Imperio, Cindy Larson, and Jackie Slight. Our friends over at Inside Dance have a beautiful history of working to support this amazing foundation. They have helped sponsor and produce the Red Carpet Gala at the annual Industry Dance Awards. Now this is an event, it's an amazing cancer benefit concert that awards dance studio routines from various competitions nationwide. Plus they honor several choreographers and influencers in the dance community. Our Inside Dance partners have seen firsthand just how amazing the impact of this organization can be and could not speak more highly of this incredible foundation. To learn more about Dancers Against Cancer, you can visit their website at www.imadanceragainstcancer.org. There you can find information on how to get involved or directly donate. We will have their information posted in the description below. Another week, another weekend in the books. Alex, what's new with you? How was, how was your week? It was so good. It was a really, really good week. I worked all weekend, like, honestly, both days, just kind of like eight-hour days, but it was super fun. Um, and, yeah, so I've decided. Mondays, I think, are my, like, because I've been talking about how I miss parts about COVID, like uh-huh. parts of it that were really like healthy for me. So Mondays are my day where I normally don't have a ton going on. Like we usually have some meetings. So Mondays are now my like pandemic day. 
Pandemic so, day. Yeah. And I, I try to like stay home as much as possible. I like get my planner all set. I do meetings from home. I plan the week. Like I'll go to the gym, but like it's my pandemic day. And it makes me Your so, plandemic day. My plandemic day. And it makes me so happy because this weekend I literally was up at 6 a.m. both days. Uh, the first day helping out with a bunch of recital stuff. And then the second day I um, taught at this... Uh, dance convention that Clarice Ordaz, which we've had on before, oh. kind of put together. And um, Spencer Lift was teaching there and Amazing. Um, Lonnie Olson. And it, it was super fun, but I cool. was up really early. So yeah, yeah, I was like, I need a pandemic day. So that is my Mondays now are going to be pandemic days. <laughs> I love that for you. Yeah, no, I yeah, think it's so good. necessary for everyone to, to find a day to just, yeah, plan to get your life in order to schedule. I'm so old school. Like I... I love my technology, but you cannot take my pen and paper planner from me. I literally have them from when I was in college and I write everything down and I just have them. I actually don't really know what to do with them. What do you do with a planner after the year's over? Do you save it? Do you like ceremoniously burn it? I don't know, but I I like hold it to my chest and then I put it in the trash can. (laughs) We did it. We did it guys. Yeah. Well, Um, I want to know how your first week weekend of judging was. I judged a dance competition. No, I'm so, so fulfilled um, and just uh, a little bit exhausted, but in a good way. Um, I had the opportunity to judge for Kids Artistic Review, um, which we just had the founder, CEO, uh, Noah Ricklands. Had him on a few episodes back and um, it was my first experience uh, hearing about the company just because they didn't tour uh, where I'm from in Georgia. They were mostly West Coast based. And so automatically Noah is just like this energetic, like you just feel good vibes from when I met him for an interview and then hearing all about his company and then actually getting a chance to work. And it was just, those vibes rang true. Like he took such good care of us. It's, it's, it was a long weekend, but it was, it was always, what can we get you? What do you need? Um, right. Which really is, I think, fundamental and important to delivering a good product of a competition, right? Is keeping your judges happy. And so um, I'm grateful for that. The talent was insane. I was in uh, this little small town of Irvine. Have you heard of it, Alex? <laughs> uh, no, I was in your hometown uh, near Orange County and the talent was incredible. So, so grateful to have just been there to have a competition with car under my belt. Um, and I feel really inspired going into, yeah, going into, um, intensive, like summer intensive season and master classes and all that. Like it's, I'm such a proponent of you have to, in order to stay inspired, you have to seek inspiration, which I know has been really tough over the pandemic, but, um, even kind of slowly reacclimating back into teaching um, and taking classes here and there. I still feel like I've been in my Vegas bubble. And so it was so good to get out, to get out of town and just get yes. a fresh sense of choreography, a fresh sense of just dance. And so I'm super inspired and super amped to, to head into the rest of the summer. You would think that like watching 800 dances, you'd be like, I don't want to see another dance. And yes, like the sound, the speakers and the volume gets to you, but it's weird. It's like after it's over, you're like, okay, I know what I want to work on now. Like you see things, you're like, okay, I feel like now this age group needs a little bit more of this sort of that. And it's so crazy that it ends up being inspiring. No, <laughs> I, it's, it totally it's does. Well, and there was like, I saw a lot of really fun play with like dynamics, which yes. I, I, in my choreography, I love to travel. I love to eat up space. I love to like hit every accent, but the ones that really um, stood out to me were the ones that were like 
counter rhythms to if it's like hard hitting intensity it would just be like melt the head and sit to the hip yes. and up and over and yeah super simple super effective but i feel like uh when i get choreographers writer's block i guess we can call it choreographer's block um yeah. i feel like sometimes i have to reinvent the wheel but i'm like oh genius so anyways yeah. i'm talking in circles about how it was just really refreshing and and really inspiring so i love it um thank you irvine california but yes. um for our discussion today, I want to dive into something that I know a lot of our listeners, uh, even myself, I'm still Same. very blurry on, and that is the topic of agents, talent agents, and uh, what that is, if it's necessary, how to get one. Um, and so I figured we could just chit chat about our experiences with agents and um, kind of where we are now. So yeah. do you want to start us off? I mean, I yeah. feel like as someone from California that then left California and went back, I feel like you have a pretty good like perspective of the, of the process. Yeah, definitely with my sister too. I've learned so much from Stephanie. It's very interesting. Uh, so my experience with it is I, I never had an agent in high school. Um, but a lot of other, uh, people I competed against and also other friends, they did. So they were working in high school. Um, but I never really did that. And so after I graduated from U of A, I had emailed Block Talent Agency in mm -hmm. Los Angeles and I sent them all my materials. And then they had just said to me, uh, we're having an open call audition, like June, whatever. And um, just please come to that. But open to everybody. Mm -hmm. But it was good that I had emailed them just to be like, I'm alive. This is who I am. Take initiative. <laughs> even though, make yeah, connections. And like, even if they didn't remember me, um, it still was a good thing to do. And then I got that for sure info from them. So I went to their audition. It was open call and it was incredible. Like it was awesome. The first thing we did was walk across the floor, jazz walk. Let's then, go. Okay. Yeah. And then they cut and I was like, this is, I, this is where I belong. This I is love, dance. <laughs> this is dance. Like let's jazz walk. You make a cut. Love it. Um, and then we did a technical, um, technical portion, which a day, uh, taught. And yeah. then we, and then I did the jazz portion, like the technical commercial jazz portion. And they were like, you guys can stay for the hip hop if you want. And I did. And uh, Misha, Gab Misha, Misha Gabriel, um, taught the combo and I stayed and like, obviously wasn't the best, but it went great. And then they emailed me a week later. And so I had actually, I had signed with them and I had my first meeting with them in LA at their offices. And it was crazy because right off the bat, she was like, Oh, I'm going to submit you for showstoppers. Um, they're having an audition next week, which was nuts. Like in the meeting, we were talking about that, but then the next day I booked Cirque. And so, um, <laughs> I, I had to email, I emailed block and I said, I, I auditioned for Cirque back six months ago, like before we had this connection, like what's the deal. And they were like, Nope, that you do that all on your own, like go take it but it was a six month temporary contract. And they were like, most likely if all goes well, they'll offer you a permanent. And then after a year, like we won't, we won't be signed with you anymore. Um, but just keep us in the loop. And so, which is crazy. And then now I actually, so I parted ways with them because I was obviously in Vegas for almost five years. And then I reconnected with go to talent agency. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm with them now and it's, crazy difficult for me to figure out what do I tell my agents? When do I tell them what's happening? Cause a lot of the gigs right. I'm booking are from connections or like through my Instagram, people will reach out and then yeah. you have to kind of pass the info to them. And it's, it's tough because this is a whole nother conversation. Like agents, a lot of times, most of the time they're submitting you for SAG stuff. SAG has to do auditions. That's part of the union mm -hmm. policy. So like, even if they already have people casted for, uh, 
a gig, like they have to do that. And so agents are required to submit you for these, th- not required, but that's part of their job is submitting you to right. things and trying to throw as many people to the Velcro wall and see what sticks is from my experience, but they've helped me negotiate certain things and even just been supportive of like, Oh, me telling them about this podcast and then being like, okay, cool. Like, um, keep us updated with it. But yeah. I want to know your experience. I know that was like so long winded, but it's never a straight line as we know. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, no, my, I've never had an agent. I say that like very indecisively because- And you've worked so much. It's I, amazing. Well, I felt, I fell into this weird kind of situation where I was in high school and I was lucky enough to do a couple of film and television things while I was still in high school, which I, it, it was- I did not have an agent. I wasn't signed with an agent, but I booked my first job because it was an open call and I went to it. And um, I ended up saying that I was sent from, uh, it was called Block South, which is their their sister yeah. company in Atlanta. I, I don't think, I think they've since rebranded or, or changed names, but I had heard about it from my friend that was in Block. And so on the little sign-in sheet, I wrote Block and then, they ended up calling me and they were like, hi, we know you, but we're not represented by you. Or you, like, we don't represent you, but we will for this gig. <laughs> I mean, yes! of course, it's mutually beneficial. That's so, amazing. More of the story, just lie and put down an i I'm just kidding. No, don't do that. <laughs> um, but it was, um, I wasn't represented by them, but they had agreed to represent me. And then that kind of opened up the conversation of, hey, do you want to be like, do you want to sign with us moving forward? And I told them this was right before I was going to, to college. So I was like, unfortunately, I'm, I'll, I, I would love that, but I'm leaving in three months. And so um, I was very fortunate because they were like, cool, we'll, we'll continue to work with you and send you on gigs, even though you're not signed with us. Right. Like, it's mutually beneficial for me to get work and for them to have talent that is going to book to represent the company well, and then also so give them a percentage. Yeah, I was really fortunate because... I was working with Block South, and then there was another agency in Atlanta called Excel Talent, um, which was uh, kind of a branched off of, or it, it branched off of MSA. And same kind of thing. I ended up getting referred to them, like somebody the agency had sent out a big, like if you know anyone, please pass information along, and so they connected with me in the same situation. They're like, "Cool, we'll sign you." And I was like, "Skirt, going to college." Um, yeah. So it was kind of a dream situation where I was getting castings from multiple agencies, which you don't normally get. And as long as I didn't go and say they both sent me, like you'd have to basically right. be exclusive and be like, I'm either with Block South or I'm with Excel. But it really was a dream situation um, that kind of fell into my lap. But so then fast forward, obviously we went to college um, and there was a few times I actually got sent, I think it was like for the second, for Anchorman 2, they sent me another casting and I flew home because I was fortunate. My whole family works for the airline. So I have flight benefits. Um, there was a couple times like for that and like two other gigs that I flew home while in college to audition and then flew back, um, which I don't recommend unless you're very confident. Because like you said, <laughs> a lot of times, uh, a lot of times auditions will already be casted or they'll have an idea of who they, they want to use and, and they'll do their mandatory auditions. So yeah. I'm not saying don't go and put yourself out there. Always but, go. Cause you seriously never know, but also in the back of your mind, but also when you're hurt, if flying, you don't get it. Yeah. When you're flying from Tucson, Arizona to Atlanta, Georgia to exactly. go to an audition where they taught four, eight counts. And we're like, just kidding. Thanks guys. We're good. It was a little bit uh, unnerving, but right. regardless. So then 
I kind of uh, cut ties with those agencies just because a it wasn't realistic for me to continue to try to maintain that relationship um, with all the distance. But then I moved to Vegas. Was very grateful to work in the shows that I worked in here. But Vegas is a funny, funny city because yeah. it is basically in a normal, normal LA, Chicago, Atlanta. What you would think of as a traditional talent city for agencies, they have a exclusivity clause in their contract. Meaning if you sign with block, you are going to work solely for block. You can't go on auditions for clear or go to, which is why it was so weird for me coming from this like situation in Atlanta where I fell into that situation to then understanding how agencies work in all reality. But Vegas is not like that. There is no real exclusivity clause in anybody's contracts. I don't know if it's because it's a right to work state or whatever, but there's a bunch of um, smaller agencies that are kind of, they operate um, dance, um, acting, modeling. They kind of do it all. Of course, there's a few agencies here, like I know TNG, Envy, that really specialize in uh, modeling, fashion, uh, print. But for the most part, all the auditions that are posted by these agencies or on Vegas auditions, it's kind of a free for all. It's like, go, you know, or best agency is looking for X, Y, Z. And then this agency is doing a casting. So it's a really cool city in that you don't necessarily need an agent. It's very much, um, you doing, you putting in the work, putting yourself out there, um, and just kind of going to everything, um, which I know, um, is very, it's different in LA, New York, where you have, um, invite only castings and things like that, where it's much more necessary to have that agent connection. But, um, and I feel like, I feel like with really defining like what you need an agent for. So if you are in LA or New York, like I do know some people in New York who do not have agents and, and they maybe aren't doing the commercial jobs or the Broadway stuff either. And so they can kind of, be able to work, you know, if they're working the concert dance route, you can do that without an agent, but with commercial work and Broadway stuff, a lot of times your agent, A, helps you pick your headshots. Cause even though like, I, I think I love certain headshots, I you think it off. you know, you think you, you know, and then it, it's always, I feel like they pick the one where I'm like, Ooh, what are you talking about? But then I'm like, I guess this is your profession. You know what you're doing. So yeah. <laughs> trust your agent. Find- if you find a photographer who's like, do whatever you want with the photos, but definitely for a casting website for LA casting actors access, like have them pick it out. And like, you could literally send it to your agents, be like, pick your favorites. And then you get those ones edited and then it's good. So they're really great for that because they are the experts and it's really good to not have someone who's yourself picking those things out. And they're great for negotiating contracts and making mm-hmm. sure that you're getting the most bang for your buck. And that's really their sole job is to help you and it like make the process even better, make you more bookable. That's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> bookable. Um, yeah, no. And it's, um, it's, it's interesting because I, this is something I struggle with and I'd actually love to have, I'd love to get an agent on here and yeah. like really dive into some of these issues, but we're not issues, but I should say topics. Um, yeah. Something I struggle with is, I would love to get an agent. I would love to be like, I'd love to pull a Stephanie. I'd love to be like your sister and be by coastal yeah. and work in multiple places at once. Yeah. One thing that I don't know is, especially coming out of this pandemic, like agency fees, like how that works, Exactly. you know, when you're not in the city, you know, if I'm going to be working in LA and 
or I, or I should say, if I have to be represented in LA, but I'm mostly working in Vegas, then I have to do this kind of like uh, pro con trade off of, okay, well, I'm paying my agent this amount of money to represent me, but then am yeah. I really able to go to these auditions? Is it worth it? Am I? Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if there's and like. Most of the jobs will pay like a, they'll give you your rate and then they'll say like plus. So they'll add. Those agency jobs will fees. add the agency fee so that it's not really necessarily coming out of your amount. But yeah, it is super, it is super tough. And I guess I would say for anyone who's looking for an agent, like with, with someone like my sister who just, she's with MSA and her story is so crazy. She had just happened to work one of these gigs um, with the person who was choreographing and teaching the MSA audition. She worked the gig before she went to the MSA audition. There was like 600 people there and she was one of eight who got signed from wow. that audition because she already knew that choreographer. So it's like this weird balance. It's like, don't think that your life will start, your career will start until you get your agent. And totally. I think for some people that is that is the case, but like making connections should always be that priority. And then because you can get by on your own, but having an agent definitely helps when you're in those LA and New York and Atlanta, I'm sure is very similar. But yeah, Vegas is a fun, Vegas is like a weird individual like, where like, it's like, whose lines it anyway, where they're like, there are no rules and points mean nothing. Like, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so one thing that I have learned from talking with a lot of my friends that are experienced, uh, you know, like yourself, like people that have been in the industry, people that have worked for multiple agencies is two things. First of all, there it's, it's a relationship. They right. are there to represent you and they want you to do well. So when I ask people, what's the best agency, where do I go? What's, Ooh. what's the number one place to be? I always hear, go with who you vibe with, go mm-hmm. with who you've your gut feeling. When you go in for interviews, if you set up, if you set up an interview, if you do a open call, like what resonates well with you? Because really that's, that's what's more important than numbers. Like, oh, this agency has an 80% success rate or this, because it doesn't matter the success rate per se. It matters your rapport with your agent. Exactly. And I've also, uh, some advice that I've been given is uh, don't be afraid to explore other options. If you don't feel like you're having an authentic, good relationship with your agency, that they're not putting you forward in the best light possible. I'm not saying like, immediately stop and run in the opposite direction. Of course, have that conversation, work on that relationship, but sometimes it's just not a good match and it's okay. There's no shame in standing up for yourself and being like, Hey, I don't feel like I'm getting the representation here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm going to be, you know, taking my, my talents elsewhere. And it's, it's again, that this, that constant idea that we talk about of being a dancer of like wanting so hard for something that you're willing to like make sacrifices. But then once you get to that place, also being able to flip the switch in your brain and be like, I need to stand up for myself. And I need to realize if I'm not getting what I need from this agency that I'm paying for, it's time to reevaluate. Um, so true. So. And I, that's a really good point. And also um, for anyone who is switching agencies, make sure when you go to that new one, you speak highly of the one that you parted ways with. Like Mm -hmm. they're most likely amazing. It's just all you have to say is be honest. Like it just wasn't the right fit for me. And I feel like I could be doing this. And like, that is like the most professional, truthful, genuine thing you can say. Cause you don't want to be like, Oh, they weren't doing anything for me. Like like, you're, you, 
you're you, you're you like you in this age of self-promotion, like you have to be doing the work and I hate what people say. No, 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 but, but it's, it's true. true. So like you have to have a good reason for why you can't just like hop around and be like, they, nothing was happening. It's like, okay, it's a pandemic going on. Like, yeah. Like, or it's like, if you go in for an interview for a job, you're not gonna be like, I left my old job because they sucked. Like, exactly. what do you think? That new recruiter is gonna be like, okay, well, here we go. Like, yeah. Geez, like, so when I, I talk about Cirque, I'm like, oh no, I just, you know, I squeezed the juice out of it. And like, it was a really lovely time and I'm ready for something new. And it's like, totally. then no one's like, well, what's wrong with you that you couldn't do X, Y, and Z? It's like, yeah. no. <laughs> no. And I think that's a good point. Not only about agents, not only about, uh, shows but really any chapter transitioning is leaving with eloquence and grace because your reputation no matter who you think your bff is and how secret something's going to be word gets out and that reputation it is a small industry and it will follow you and that is your number one higher ability over your talents over your look is are you a good person you have a good reputation you know and if it's not it should be i think um so yeah, definitely being able to handle those situations, sticking up for yourself, but doing it with pride and doing it with grace and respect, you know, moving into um, new chapters, new agencies with that respect. So I love that. Well, yay. Come on, agencies. Yeah, so good. Um, awesome, guys. We'll stick around. Next up, we are joined by our special guest, Kevin Milray. You do not want to miss it. So stay tuned. <laughs> All right, guys, you're in for a treat. We are so, so lucky to have a dear friend of mine joining us today, all the way from a hotel room in Miami. Guys, please join me in welcoming my dear friend, incredibly talented dancer, and just overall great human, Kevin Milray. How are you, Kevin? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Um, We're so happy to have you on. We're thrilled to, I'm thrilled to see your face. Uh, For our listeners who don't know, Kevin's one of my really good friends. Um, that I met out here in Las Vegas. He's an incredible dancer. Um, we'll dive into all of his history and stories and success and accolades. Uh, but before we get there, how are you doing? Day 11 in quarantine? I think it's day 12, actually. And um, we've been quarantining on the cruise ship. I had three days in Miami um, in total lockdown. And then they transported us to the ship. And I am actually on the 12th day now. So yeah, the for the most day of part, Christmas. pretty good. 12th- <laughs> You're almost there. Oh man, it just, I'm I'm ready. It's like the end is so close and it's just very tedious at this point, but I'm doing all right. It's good. That's good. And you're there because you're doing an install for Royal Caribbean. Is that correct? Yes, I am uh, directing and producing one of their production shows on the Freedom of the Seas. So I will will integrate uh, an entire cast into a show and then they stay for 10 months and I get to go home on July 5th. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Have fun. <Nice. laughs> so for our listeners, uh, where are you from and how did you get into dance? Uh, I'm actually originally from a small little town. I'm a Canadian dancer. So I, I grew up in a small little farm town called Kindersley, Saskatchewan, which has a population of about 5,000 people. And my mom was actually a dance teacher. She owned a dance school. So I you know, I, she just, I fell into the studio and I never wanted to leave. Bring your kid to work day and it just never, (laughs) it never ended. She tried to get me into different sports and different activities. And I just had absolutely no interest growing up in anything other than dance. It, I became somewhat obsessed and she thought, okay, well, this is, 
<laughs> this is maybe too much. Maybe he should like try baseball or something. And, you know, nothing really worked out. I just, it was always a passion. And so that's where I grew up dancing. And then I later moved to Vancouver, British Columbia to finish my training at the Go Ballet Academy um, and a studio called Dance Mode Productions under the direction of a lady named Rachel Poirier. So I did, I did the majority of my teen training in Vancouver, BC, but um, all up until I was about 12, I just danced at my mom's studio on a farm. That's, That's so amazing. I hear, I hear so much about Vancouver being like this big dance town. Oh, it is. Or like a big like entertainment a city. Yeah, we have uh, something that is the equivalent of Broadway Dance Center called Harbor Dance Center. And it's basically this big drop-in facility. And yeah, there's some incredible talent. It's, um, it's a wonderful city and it's, it's alive. I mean, especially during the pandemic, it, you know, Vancouver was a hotspot for the entertainment industry and shooting and different series and movies. And it, you know, it, it was sounds great. very LA vibes. Like, and I'm yeah. also, I'm like the worst stereotypical American because I have no relative understanding of Canadian cities or provinces or anything. Like <laughs> no joke. I thought Saskatchewan was a fake place growing up. Like until I got <laughs> to geography, I was like, Oh, it's actually a location in Canada. And but like, yeah, it's like West coast. It's basically on the West coast. So it's just, if you keep driving straight up out of California <laughs> and then like Seattle and everything, you, you hit it right there, which I guess makes yeah, sense. if you drive south, you hit, I think you hit N- N- Montana. I don't know, something like that. I'm yeah. equally as bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's somewhere in that area. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, no, Vancouver, you said LA vibes. It's it's definitely got a little scene. It's, it's very, they just do so much filming there now. I just feel like a lot of mm-hmm. Hollywood has actually left California and, um, production has set up camp in Vancouver yeah uh, quite a lot yeah so we're happy for the work <laughs> um what well, what was your transition like uh going into like the professional world after you were in Vancouver like as a Canadian what is that like wanting to work in the states and how do you even go about finding auditions and things like that um yeah I well I was on a tv show called so you think you can dance in what Canada. never heard on- of it yeah. <laughs> so I did the very first season of that, which um, was a lot of fun. I, I'm glad I did it. I can't say I would do it again. It was, it's a lot of work and they put you, you know, it's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and I'm grateful for the experience, but I mean, it's pretty full out dancers who have also been on the program. I'm sure would say the same. Um, was that your first like perfect, like 18 year old, like first professional gig? Uh, no, I would say in the, in my first real taste of like, you know, the real professional world would have been in the 10th grade when I booked the Lizzie McGuire movie. Which, hold on. Yeah. We're going to yeah. need to like, we, <laughs> I need to carve out 10 minutes to talk about just this because yeah. I didn't know this about you for like the first three months that I knew you. And then I think you reposted something on your Instagram, like throwback to this time. And I like had to rewatch it four times and I was like, oh my God, that's Kevin. Oh my God. Like, which (laughs) is so I, how was that? Like, and did you have any idea that that show, that movie would be so iconic? Like, I feel like it's up there with like, like generationally, it's like mean girls and like Lizzie McGuire movie. And like, there's just so many, like, 
staples. Lizzie McGuire was it for me. Like that, I was that's, obsessed. Still don't know why Miranda wasn't in the movie, but that's fine. Neither here nor there. <laughs> right. I never even thought about that. Um, <laughs> no, we had no idea what we were stepping into. I was working with a lady named uh, Kelly Kono, who's a big Janet Janet uh, Janet Jackson dancer. And uh, she owns a convention in Canada called Triple Threat. So I used to go to it a lot in my teen years and compete and go every weekend and take from different choreographers. And she just scouted me out. And I was in school one day and all of a sudden I get a phone call to come to the office. My mom goes, hey, Kelly Kono has just called the house and you have to come home now. And so I went home and mom goes, okay, this is the deal. You're gonna have to do some homeschooling uh, for three to four weeks. Um, we'll talk to your teachers about it. She said, they've booked a hotel for you. You're going to be going in about five days. She, and you know, we knew it was the Lizzie McGuire movie, but in all honesty, I didn't know what it was. None of us did. I was reading the script and it was like bouncing between cartoon Hillary Lizzie McGuire <laughs> right. and real life. And we were like, is this animated? Is it like an animated feature film? We were like, we had no idea what we were stepping into. Um, all the way up until it was released, we didn't know the magnitude or you know the grandeur of just how big it was going to be we it was out of my age demographic i think it was for a little bit younger um so no i had never seen it i didn't know who hillary duff was which i think worked for my benefit because i wasn't nervous i was really candid and normal around yeah, her and had totally. i known had i known that she was the star that she was i think i probably would have held back a little bit on being personal with her and yeah, we got on really well. The whole cast, everyone. Um, it, I think it was, it definitely was a, a pro that we didn't know how big, how mammoth this production was going to be. Totally. Yeah. That's right. so, that's so amazing that your, um, that experience, first of all, just get, to get the call and you're in like 10th grade biology and all of a sudden it's like, wait, what? But I have to relate because um, similarly, when I was in high school, um, I, had opportunity to film one of the sequels for the Cinderella story franchise, which I understand you were also, I think you said that you were in Cinderella story two, if right. Is that correct? Yeah. One of them. Yeah. One of them. (laughs) uh, No, but the same thing, the same thing happened to me where I had booked the job and I was like, they were like, okay, you're going to do six weeks in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And I had to go to all my professors and I was like, hi, uh, no pressure, but this is like my entire dream. Can I do this? And all my professors were so cool. My counselor was super great. They gave me all my homework six weeks in advance, except one teacher who I will not name who taught 12th grade accounting, (laughs) who literally gave me zeros for everything. I think I, I, or like I passed that class with like a 69.8% and yeah, just bitter and There's spiteful. always got to be one. Always, always be and one he teacher. was like the swim team coach. And I'm like, dude, you're just bitter. Okay. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like if, <laughs> if, if your students got to go to the Olympics or qualifiers or whatever, you'd make it happen. So right, totally. I'm, I'm grateful that you had that experience and that it was um, relatively smoother than mine. But um, <laughs> let's, let's go back into um, our, our transition. So, Film and television. Yeah. Um, obviously, you had a great time on uh, a great but stressful and hard time on So You Think You Can Dance. Um, beyond that, what did being on the show c- kind of catapult you into your next step, or, or what was the next transition? Um, well, I, I did the program, and then I was in Vancouver with like absolutely no money. Uh, it, it, it was such a it was such a, I mean, a drastic 
transition. It was insane. Oh man, like maybe $500 in my account. I mean, it was like, I just invested everything because I, you know, I didn't plan on leaving the first week. I was the first eliminated and, you know, I got back to Vancouver and I had no money at that point. And, you know, I was sitting at a, at a, people were recognizing me on the street being like, oh my gosh, talking to me. And I was like, if you only knew (laughs) (laughs) my situation here after freshly getting kicked off this TV show, like even flying home the next day at the airport, I was just like, everyone just leave me alone. (laughs) Cause you know, it was a, it was a pretty big major moment in Canada. It was the first season and everyone was, you know, we had millions of viewers and all of a sudden I'm, you know, that it got real really fast. So I had no money. I was in Vancouver, just got kicked off this major program. I was like, well now what? So I went on the internet. Um, I went to a little internet cafe and I started Googling jobs and different opportunities in the USA. And I had heard of this dance company called Bad Boys of Dance, who um, a famous ballet dancer called Rasta Thomas uh, used to own with his wife. And it's still running and operating. Um, But I randomly emailed him and I was like, hey, uh, this is where I'm at. I have just got kicked off the show. Look at my demo. This is my um, this is my solo that I this is very current. And he plucked me out of Canada and threw me in with um, you know, in with the company who consisted of like Teddy Florence and, um, you know, Robert Roldan and Adrian Lee and all these major, you know, hard hitters in the industry now. So yeah, he, uh, he took me under his wing and, uh, I just, he sponsored me into the States and it was great. And that's kind of how I started transitioning into the USA from Canada. Bad Boys is like this springboard. Like everyone who's worked for them, I always find them making these amazing connections. And then after they leave, it's just the world is so open to them. Like we have a friend who also did Bad Boys. Like I know so many people who've done it and it's really incredible. I feel like from from a, a male perspective of... For me, at least, from my experience, I, I I knew of it and I knew it was like a kind of in-between of like competition training, uh, right. jazz, modern performance mixed with like structural ballet, contemporary ballet movement. And I remember, yeah, it was like the, the company to be in and not to say, I mean, I know they're still operating, but I know like 18-year-old me was like very much all, you know, inspired by this group of people. And, but that's, that's amazing, Kevin, that you, we always say on this podcast, you have to just put yourself out there and take the initiative. So to just be like, hi, uh, here's my situation. And it worked out, you know? And I feel like so many dancers are like hesitant to take the first step, but like, I feel like it's, 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 it's what do you have to lose? Yeah. Like, like a little bit of like, Oh, they didn't reply. That's yeah. it. Like <laughs> left you know, on red. Wah. Yeah, like it's it's. Oh, I like want to reiterate that so badly. I always have, give oh. myself a pep talk when I'm emailing people, and I'm like, why am I just do it? Like yeah. it's just it's free. It. <laughs> but I was down. I was down to like my last twenty bucks. I didn't have a computer. I had an internet cafe down the street, and I would pay two dollars for an hour. And I just literally went into the cafe, and I was like, hey, help! <laughs> and it Amazing. worked out. So yeah, it was. Were you able, um, did you just do the um, U.S. leg of Bad Boys or did you tour internationally with them? Because I know they have quite the Uh, incredible uh, itinerary over in Europe and whatnot. Yeah, no, it was a world tour. We went to Japan. We went all over Europe. We went, 
yeah, we went everywhere on the planet. It was amazing. Uh, we would usually do about two month increments, um, just simply because the show was so demanding on our bodies. We couldn't do it. It's not a show that you has a lot of longevity. You have right. to take breaks. It's so physically demanding um, to stay without injury and, you know, but it, it's the hardest I've ever danced in the best shape man, I wish I could like go back just for like four weeks and get back into that kind of shape, man. Those morning ballet classes, just mm -hmm. gold. That's and to be around that kind of male energy, like all the boys, so it wasn't a competitive atmosphere at all. It was so encouraging and um, it was such a great place for growth. And, you know, we, we had the opportunity to work with Rasta, who was just a master in his craft. And it was, you know, I'll never never take that opportunity for granted that's incredible and it's such it's like you said such a such a blessing to be in such good company at such a at the time young age you know um and i'm sure that having that network only helped you flourish into the rest of your career which is what i want to dive into next because i know you you honestly you're kevin you're such an example of like i'm i look at people and i'm like wow you really can do it all and i feel like you've done mm -hmm concert you've done commercial you know you had an incredible run with Cirque du Soleil which we'll dive into here in a minute um but it, it's the you're just a chameleon of the entertainment industry and I think it's it's so you're such a good example of yes put yourself out there do it all and and it'll happen you know make it happen if it doesn't happen so um moving forward I know um, we were speaking briefly before we started our interview that you were over at Beatles Love uh, early on in the show's run, like 2007-ish. Um, but I want to talk to you specifically about the creation of Taruk, their Avatar-inspired show, which was another tour you were on. Um, how was that process? And, and kind of filling in the gaps between Bad Boys and getting to that point. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I know. I'm like, talk about three years in 20 seconds. Go. <laughs> I know. Well, I did a bunch of Broadway tours in, in between there as well. I went and did um, Dirty Dancing, the Broadway musical. Mm. And right. I also did The Bodyguard with Deborah Cox. And then mm. Oh, cool. I, uh, no, sorry. I didn't do The Bodyguard. It was just Dirty Dancing. And then I decided it would be a good idea for me to return to Cirque du Soleil because I missed the structure. I missed the responsibility. I missed the athleticism that was required of me under that kind of that job under the company. I wasn't fully getting that in the Broadway show, not to say I, I wasn't fulfilled, and, you know, being pushed and striving, but I just, I wanted to get back to my acrobatic side. Mm -hmm. So I decided to not continue on with the Broadway company. And I went to audition in Chicago live for Taruk and they put me with all the main characters for an afternoon and they put me through um, different acting exercises. I had to pretend my legs were broken. I had to, um, you know, reenact love scenes. I had to play with arrows. I had to chase my little brother. And, you know, they made me learn all of this on the spot, on surfaces that were completely foreign to me, trampolines and airbeds. And they were like, yeah, go jump, flip. We need to see a 540 sideways <laughs> off that airbed. And I was like, okay. And I just kind of went and did it. <laughs> um, but, I don't know. I think it, it, me getting into the show also had a lot to do with my connection and relationship with the characters who were already established within the production. And it was just a really seamless transition. We just got each other and, mm -hmm. um, you know, we were able to laugh in the scenes and 
it, it wasn't so heavy. It, it wasn't um, a stressful audition process. So then um, I, I had to learn Navi. I had to learn a whole phonetic language, um, which right. took weeks, <laughs> which I still bring out after too many Pepsi Colas to people hey. at the bar. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, so they offered me the job and that, that was it. I ended up playing the lead role. Who's, uh, was the teenager in the show. His name was Ralu and he was the, uh, you know, he was the teen and I had a little brother named N2 as well. And we had a shaman. It was basically what life was like for the avatar movie before, av- before the avatar movie happened. It was the, right. it was what happened before. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. Uh, yeah. And for our listeners who may not be familiar, Taruk is in an arena. So it's Cirque all has all these different stages and a lot of them are like these three quarter stage or proscenium, but in an arena, I mean, that is a lot to be performing to. So how was that for you, especially being the lead? Uh, what did you have to adjust or were you kind of just used to it from your other, from your performing days? But I know, I know cause that love was also in a round, not an arena per se, but round still like you, you have to change the way you're performing a little bit. Yeah, you definitely do. Um, it, it took about four, I want to say a month to integrate myself into the show properly cardiovascularly to mm-hmm. be able to run that kind of surface and to do it for two hours mixed with acrobatics and everything else. It's just the space was so grand that I just, I couldn't make it halfway through a show in a week. So yeah. <laughs> they just built, they built my stamina up and um, you know, just one thing at a time. And, and then the, they just pushed the baby bird out of the nest and said, okay, time, it's time, go on, poof. And so you just way to learn. And you, you trip and you fall and you figure it out as you go. Um, yeah, the arena was pretty special. Uh, it, 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 there were definitely some cons uh, because most arenas have ice uh, and our stage was metal, the floor, the base floor. So a mm-hmm. lot of times they would lay the base down and the condensation from the ice would come through the metal. And we would have to be extremely careful and, you know, kind of gauge it for ourselves how, how much we would push each other acrobatically in those um, circumstances because it would get really slick, yikes, really fast. So the yikes, yeah. So it's... you slip, you're not doing that backflip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so yeah. at this point in your career, you're no stranger to tours. Like you have lived out of a suitcase, on a bus, planes, trains, automobiles. How between Bad Boys, which was so physically demanding, um, you know, I know I had a chance to see Bodyguard when it was here in Las Vegas, and I know all the partnering that went to that show. Uh, like you're saying with Taruk, how how do you keep yourself well and healthy? For our listeners that um, may be interested in touring one day, um, what's some of your best advice for being on tour and maintaining that caliber of performance while staying healthy? Um, yeah, I think gyms are really important when you're on the road. Uh, try your best to find a local gym just to maintain muscle mass and strength to be able to withstand that kind of a schedule to do eight shows a week it gets a lot you're fatigued and sometimes you just have to go into muscle memory mode and you have to be conditioned to do that because you can't clock out if in in a moment of tiredness and if you're weak you're gonna rip different like different things in your body you have to be so you just have to be conditioned and the show will do that to a certain extent it will keep you where you need to be and it will keep you in good shape but I would just suggest doing, you know, just that extra little bit, you know, you have trainers at love, which I took full advantage of. Um, 
you know, any chance I had that I could do a little bit extracurricular on tour or if, you know, instance with Cirque conditioning, just, you know, we would do two hour shows and then later that night I would be on an elliptical for another 45 minutes just to maintain Cool down, people. Cool yeah. down. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I like have to get on my soapbox because I'm going to be a little shady. It literally drove me crazy when people didn't utilize the free training and then like you just like do a whole show and then you just get up and leave. And I'm like, no, um, no. you literally have to like chill out and tell your body, like you need to cool down before you hop in your car and go, Oh my God. I literally, it was like, isn't it funny though. And the word that comes to mind, Kevin, when talking about you or talking about your, your training is just your athleticism. Like I feel like you're, you're so knowledgeable about, you know, your strength and your body composition, all that. But it, it, it reminds me kind of taking it back to the um, analogy of like Olympics or Olympic qualifiers. Like imagine you see Simone Biles and she just like finishes her routine, walks off, gets in her car and leaves. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. like, sister, no. It doesn't work like that. It yeah, does not that's... work like that. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. That was great. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Just painting yeah. that picture for everyone. But no, I, Exactly. I think it's so important that you say that and like you've been working for so long and like that is why and there's a reason <laughs> there is a reason why yeah. it yeah. never ends you know you just have to you have to make it's you know uh, a good analogy that my ballet master in bad boys of dance Mr. Philip Carmen said to me once you know he goes it, it may seem trivial or like juvenile but it it did it did translate to me he was like your body is like a card dude he's like you feed that junk and you you don't take care of it. You don't give it rest. You don't give it tune-ups, all of these things. It's going to break down and you're going to end up in the junkyard. He's like, just treat it with clean gas, give it good premium oil, get a check. He's like, you're going to be, you know, you'll be a Tesla. He's like, it's, it's really very simple. He was like, just treat your body with kindness the same way you would have a car checked out. And I was like, you know what? It's simple, but effective. But totally. So like, true. That's cool. Yeah. He's like, go for your oil checks, get those massages, get the kinks out, you know, all those things. Anyways. That's so. beautiful. Um, so let's, let's fast forward here. Um, we're, we're everywhere. We're touring. We're here. We're there. We're learning other languages. We're flipping on, you know, debatably slick, icy stages. Um, we ended up landing in Las Vegas, which is where we cross paths because you ended up booking the Shania, I'm not sure, it's the Let's Go residency, right? That's correct, yep. Correct, the Let's Go residency. Um, so first of all, I'm happy that you got to like sit still for a minute and not <laughs> live out of a suitcase uh, somewhere, but how was that? I mean, I know Bodyguard is very, um, it's artist-based, even though it's musical theater, it's still very artist-based telling the story um, of Whitney Houston, but how was it, working on a residency in Vegas and dancing, like going from being this foreign character to like dancing commercial behind one of like country pop's biggest stars. Yeah. Uh, your, your question is what, what was it like to be part yeah, of Yeah. Just like production? that transition as a performer from like going from the crazy circus world to then going, uh, going uh, into this, you know, Vegas. Well, overproduced not overproduced but incredibly well-produced show <laughs> yeah well for me it was um it, it was just so refreshing and so nice that I was able to be appreciated with my face <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because, 
No makeup. Uh, Cirque du Soleil, you know, you have wigs, you have makeup, and, you know, you you somewhat are unrecognizable to be your own self-character. And to be in Let's Go alongside Shania, this country pop Canadian icon, and to be noticed and to have a sense of star and to be included in that and not to be hidden under an hour and a half of makeup was really special and it was cool yeah. and it, it it man like confidence level poof through the roof it uh it, it was just it was so nice to just be myself for once on stage and not be masked under a corporation i was able to strive with kevin you know what i mean mm-hmm. interesting yeah. i never would have thought about that but yeah it's it's we we are so lucky to play so many characters and wear so many hats in this theater industry but yeah it, it's it's nice to be able to just be booked for who we are and our talent I, I always say it's it's funny because <laughs> you'll have i know we've all been on those gigs especially like in this last era of everything was like great gatsby or whatever but it's like you hire all these like beautiful dancers and gorgeous and then everybody puts on like a mask or like an applicator over the face <laughs> or something <laughs> right. you know um, but yeah but that's crazy no, totally. how was how was it working with Shania? I mean, I'm a huge fan. I was able to see the show. You were incredible, but she seems like just the sweetest and an absolute rock star. She is. Yeah. Um, we didn't have a whole lot of interaction with her before opening night. Um, she did come into rehearsals and she, she monitored us. And before opening, they made a, um, they built a mock stage. I, I should take that back. Cause that's not true. She was with us quite a bit, but in actual like performance setting, in the show, on the stage, all the elements together. We really only did that three, maybe three times before mm-hmm. we opened up. So we did have bits um, where we were interacting and building the show with her, but everything in its entirety, um, we really probably only did twice, maybe three times. Um, wow. But they built a mock stage in a place called Prim, which is just a little bit out of, outside of Las Vegas. Um, they built the entire stage in the arena which I thought was insane. That's crazy. Um, I had no idea about that. Take a little field trip yeah, down to Penn on yeah. the way to California, <laughs> down to Prim. Yeah, where that roller coaster is. Um, yeah. They have a giant, they have a giant me, arena in there. Yeah. Which that I roller coaster makes I me think, so nervous every time I drive by it. I'm I like, mm, I don't like think it's up to code, Ricky. but anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually think quite a few residencies use that area to do that. Um, Interesting. You know, I, yeah. So they build the entire, they make a whole mock of the stage and um you know all the elements the things go up and down the boxes move you go up to where the height is in the arena you feel it you you know you really get your your feet grounded before you're put in front of seven thousand people so it, it was nice to have that um that kind of rehearsal in that space so it wasn't so foreign when we were thrown into it um uh it was great she's great she's so hands-on she she knows exactly what she wants and she's not timid to say it (laughs) if your hips aren't rolling enough you will know (laughs) you will hear about it yeah uh yeah something's happening back there can can we get the boys to move and she'll kind of have her like eyes over (laughs) i I love that i think of her um she appears in an episode of broad city i'm not sure if you watch that show on comedy central but she has a whole episode about her because they they like bring up her name all the time and so she's like working out um at their gym but she is playing herself and it's hilarious so like i kind of got used to how she speaks and talks because i've seen that episode like twenty five thousand times so i can (laughs) i can imagine that 
scenario. That's amazing. No, but yeah, no, she, I mean, she was absolutely lovely. She's like Canadian royalty at its finest and just so sweet. Like always just there to say hi to us. And, you know, it's, uh, she, she just knows how to carry a room too, man. Like unlike anyone else, she can just carry a room. And that is such a skill, Mm -hmm. you know, she does such a good job. Was it all men in the cast? Yeah, eight boys. Oh, yep. wow. Okay. That's what I thought. I wasn't Shania and the boys. Yeah. Shania and her, and, no. her, and her cowboys. The show was <laughs> yep. so great. And so, Alex, you definitely, you need to take a field trip. Uh, to come back to Vegas when they reopen, hopefully yeah. in December, sometime around them. Um, and we'll go, yep. we'll go to you on Kevin, but it's an amazing show. But um, that's, that's, I'm, I'm so grateful that, that you've had that, oper- that, what am I trying to say? Uh, op- I said opera experience. I'm so <laughs> I'm so grateful that you've had that opportunity. I'm so grateful that our paths have crossed. Uh, but you you mentioned she was Canadian royalty, which brings me I I as a male dancer as well. Um, I'm curious. You know, again, this is the person that thought Saskatchewan wasn't a real place. But how was it growing up as at such a young age as a male dancer in Canada? Um, you know, I know we've discussed in this podcast before there's a lot of stigma and bullying and, and a lot of obstacles to overcome as a male dancer, but does that hold true in Canada or is it a little bit more, um, I don't want to say acceptable, but more uh, palatable, I should say, to the general public to be a, a young male dancer? Uh, no, I think that kind of, it works across the board. doesn't matter <laughs> where you are on the planet. Um, yeah, it was definitely difficult growing up as, you know, my passion being dance and, you know, I faced a lot of backlash and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a shame, but I think times are different. I don't think it's quite the same anymore. And I don't think it would be the same, um, for a person my age growing up now in the industry. I don't think the bullying it would be, I don't know. I just think, uh, I don't know. I'm not in high school, but I just think we've progressed so much as a society where the arts are appreciated a little bit more and we have a little more exposure to it. And there's just more conversations around, you know. <laughs> um, well, I think a big part of it too is there's kind of, I don't want to say a movement, but more people are living their life and choosing careers that they love and that they're passionate about rather than anything else. So in that regard, people are like, oh, this person's following their passion. That's amazing. Like no matter what the passion is, people are getting more comfortable with being like okay those people are doing what they love rather than like i have to work this job because i know it's going to make me a lot of money it's like no let's all do the things that we're passionate about because that makes a better environment for everyone we're not making these things that are so black and white it's like no do what you're good at because we're all born with these different gifts and traits and stuff so i think that makes it a lot better I um I think the Lizzie McGuire movie really changed things in high school for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. No, it's All until these... people people make funny like they poke and tease and they're like, oh yeah, and then you get your first paycheck in the mail from being a dancer, and suddenly they get real quiet, real fast. Oh, yeah. Wait, well, what were know, the royalties it... on that movie? <laughs> I hope you're still getting those checks for like a couple dollars oh, from our girl God. Lizzie M. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you guys, now that you say that, I think all my checks are probably going to my old address in Kelowna. I'm going to have to look into that. You need to call SAG after Because I haven't even thought about that. Oh, yeah. In the age of like 
think vintage things being cool, like uh, that stuff is getting brought back all the time. Like recently, like Lizzie McGuire movies on E. Like um, you just never yeah. know. <gasps> well, That's I'm going to, I'm going to give the listeners a little bit of an inside um, as to a boo-boo that I made with the Lizzie McGuire movie. Ooh, how yes. important it is to have an agent. Um, uh, you know, we were young and we were so excited and it was like our first big gig and you know, we didn't care. We did we would have done it for free. It didn't matter. We were like in our prime. We were in this Hollywood blockbuster. We're in the Coliseum. And all of a sudden the contract bit came around and we did receive residuals to a certain extent. However, we were young kids on a movie set and the production bought us out. And at Mm. the time we looked at it and we thought, Oh, $2,000 extra. (gasps) Yes. However much it was. And we signed the dotted line because we didn't have agents. Mm. We didn't have people dealing with contracts. So we did, you know, we, we did okay on the film. Um, but, I think it would have just been smart to have had an agent overlook all the documents, which is why, you know, it's agents didn't really exist the same way they do now. Right. Um, back then they, it just wasn't a thing. Everyone was self, you know, it, it did exist, but not, it, it just was different. So have well, an agent kids. <laughs> yeah. You bring up a really good point because even like, for like when I was growing up and when I booked with Cirque, I did that all without an agent. And now having one now, I'm like, almost feel like scared to reach out to them and be like, can you help me with this? It's like, no, that's their job. So I'm trying to like oh, get yeah. to, to get rid of that stigma of like- Just write the email, Alex. Exactly. I literally, <laughs> like, I literally just, just did that. And I'm like, oh my God, why am I like so timid about it? Because we we do get into this thing like, yes, you have to be, you have to come to work. You got to be- you got to be great to work with and you have to have something to show, show for that. But like, also your agents are there to help you with the numbers. Cause like, we don't know that and it's okay that you don't know that, but that is their job and they're paid. It is their job. To do that. I just, I just wish looking back at, you know, maybe some things I would have done differently had I known or had, you know, a little guidance. I just, I wish I would have pushed the the numbers and the paperwork off to an agent it's yeah, so totally important well and how it are we supposed so to know too as young dancers like there's no like contracts and you know legal jargon class in high school and it's no. you yeah. know you're just yeah bright-eyed bushy-tailed and it's it's crazy one of the things one of the the first jobs that i was uh working on i was lucky to have a big presence of la dancers there and i remember i was like 18 and like sure i'll do whatever yeah and the amount of dancers there that were like, nope, nope, hazard yeah. pay, wardrobe pay. The, one of the biggest takeaways that I got sad? from the, Is this li- yeah. yeah, no. And one of the biggest takeaways I got was write down all of your hours at all times. Yeah. And I remember this person, she was a little bit older, but she was like so stringent on that. And she was like, no, we were here for, for 14.7 hours that day. And I'm like, dang, you know, cause again, it's that shift in mindset. Up. It's, it's the shift in mindset from I'm the dancer that'll do anything and like, yes. please give me the job and sure, and I'll dye my hair and I'll no. do this, to then you get the job and you're like, okay, you're going to respect me. And that's such a weird, like, double-edged sword that we have to somehow juggle while also doing fuete turns, right? And be respectful to <laughs> other people and us. But um, yeah. I think, yeah, crash and burn. You live and you learn. Um, take, uh, take pictures of your time cards. You, yeah. you know, when you check yeah. in and out of different films just take a quick little snap of it because you know that gets lost floating around who knows what division and all of a sudden you get a check and it it looks sideways and you're 
you know, you have to have some backup. So I would just say, always take pictures of your time cards when you're in a movie set or filming. Um, yeah, just keep track of that stuff. It's very important. Totally. So well, Kevin, this we're so grateful for all of all of your experiences that you've shared with us, your knowledge, your insight. Hit us with one final um, funny, embarrassing, awkward, <laughs> something that you look back on that you giggle from your dance career, whether it's in a uh, audition or on stage or whenever we ask our guests this, they're usually like, well, I have a list of seven. So <laughs> I don't know, maybe <laughs> pick a few. <laughs> Uh, I, I have one good one. I, um, <laughs> I was judging a dance competition in Vancouver and, uh, you know, I, I was not really, I was quite young and I didn't enjoy public speaking at the time. I was extremely nervous to get on a mic and speak in front of an entire auditorium of people who I've just been judging. And now all of a sudden it's different when you're judging a competition and then you have to stand up and talk and then they're judging you. <laughs> it's, uh, you're like, wait, 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 this isn't how this goes. Um, anyway, super nervous. And, you know, I'm demonstrating, I'm talking, I'm giving out awards. And I went into this giant grand plié in the middle of my speech to the, the girl and I just ripped my pants. I'm talking <laughs> not like a sliver, like boom, down to my knees. Blow and out. I had to finish, blow. And I had to finish the entire award ceremony, like, you know, cross-legged, trying to I hope you're wearing underwear. It out. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I just remember wanting to run. I, I blacked out. I remember having the microphone and I saw stars and then I thought, okay, I, in my mind, I was trying to like talk myself down off the cliff. Like, well, you can't pass out. You're not going to just pass out here. While you also to trying this. to continue your speech. And then those words yeah. get woven in. You're like, I'm really yeah. impressed with the talent pass out of the kids today. <laughs> You're going to be fine. Like, <laughs> I'm and dying. I would like to sort of give the other awards to the paper. I um uh, <laughs> just I... panic, nauseous, so afraid, and I never will forget almost blacking out out of fright of like it's when black people now. rip their pants. Like, is... It gets me. Like I think it's oh. so funny. It's it's the initial shock on their face too. Like it's rip, and then it's like oh my gosh, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> And then the whole auditorium like roars into laughter. And I just, I just really had to focus on not passing out. See, but then (laughs) in embarrassing moments like that, then I tell myself, I'm like, well, that's happened. So you've set the standard here and you're fine and it's going to be fine. So anything beyond that, you're like, well, at least I didn't rip my pants in front of an auditorium full of thousands of (laughs) young dancers and their parents who I was just judging. But you know, it it made you, you uh, just finished judging. I did. Yeah. I just did my very first competition this past weekend, which was a lot, but so fun and a lot of talent. But I can can only imagine at the end, like we had almost 800 numbers and at the very end to then get up and, 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 and to speak when your brain is like this weird casserole of like just mashed potato brains with fuete turns and leg extensions. And yeah. So, and then ripped pants on top of that. Yeah. That's hilarious. Just death. Kevin, we can't thank you enough, man. It's so good to see you. And we're so, so happy to have you on this podcast. Um, Thank you for your time, for everything today. We really hope to um, see you ever, but also in Vegas on stage with Shania sooner rather than later. Um, For our listeners, though, before before they go, before we go, before the group of us go from their ears, um, 
where can they keep up with you on social media? Do you have a website? What's the best way to follow the yeah. life of Kevin? Uh, my Instagram would probably be best, which is just my name, Kevin Milray, M-Y-L-R-E-A 22. And yeah, follow my adventures. It's fun. Come. Amazing. Press follow. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot thank you enough. So thank you for sharing all your knowledge and just blessing us with your presence. We really appreciate it. Totally. Stay thank well. I appreciate and- you guys too power through these last few days of quarantine the end is near in the best way but uh, we appreciate you and we'll see you soon kevin all right thank you bye guys